Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah with you from the Kintech studio. Time to come up today. Canucks have the Florida Panthers. We'll get the pregame going after 6 o'clock. 6.30, we'll join up with Sportsnet Pacific and lead you right into the puck drop. And, of course, the big ceremony tonight at Rogers Arena with the Hall of Famers all getting celebrated. Henrik and Daniel Sedin plus Roberto Luongo, who uh, finally got his captain's picture over at Rogers Arena. Finally got in. Finally got in. As, finally. Uh, as he tweeted. So uh, he finally got it. A lot of uh, a lot of takes were had today after uh, after yesterday. We were on right away. Yeah, we were. I mean. Um, when it happened. It literally happened at 4.01. And if it wasn't for Bic running late, like we mentioned yesterday, yes. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have even got to it. We would have had something else to start the show with and then like would have had to like <laughs> done a U-turn like 45 seconds into the show. Uh, oh, this is kind of big news. It's always nice when uh, it's like Christmas comes early when you get a nice big package of breaking news. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to dive through that uh, as uh, we get into the pregame a little bit later on. But we're trying to move the conversation forward today. And a couple of things we wanted to get into. Because, look, the lineup is still a little bit in flux. We'll see if Brock Besser does get moved up to the first unit sat. Ultimately... You know, one of the things we've talked about a lot in the last couple of days is having Garland and Besser playing in a third line role deployed almost as a fourth line, even behind, you know, the the Nils Oman line at five on five. It's not really a palatable solution because you're paying Besser and Garland combined over 10 million bucks. Yeah. You've got to find a solution. You've got to get more out of those guys, and it's hard to get more out of them when you're hardly playing them enough. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, and it's actually like eleven and a half million. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's. it's so not, I was being nice by you, saying just over nice. ten million. Every right. 10 cent million. matters. So ten plus isn't good enough for you. You got to be like eleven and a half. Eleven and a half. It's a lot. I mean, it's. Hey, we we talked about how it's a lot of cake. Like how Jason Dickinson trade, they got money off, but they had this bring the Stillman thing in. But hey, hey, even getting that one point two million was mm-hmm. significant on the cap for next season. Like those things do help you out. Even every little bit helps. Yeah, so it's 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 a lot. Like, it's significant. It, it's a lot of money, and it's clear it's inefficient. And the even the bigger thing is, I'm fine with you having in you know some inefficiencies as long as the guys are helping contribute to a winning environment. Everybody does their part. But how, what type of roles are those guys playing, in, in particular Besser and Garland, if they're not playing in a prime spot? Yeah. You know, neither kills. I mean, and, and you can even lump Niels Hoaglander into this, right? Like, Hoaglander's a guy who doesn't really get power play time, but for him to be successful, he needs to play in a marquee kind of spot. Doesn't kill penalties, isn't really put up in a, in a matchup position. So you have a lot of guys with a similar skill set. Kuzmenko's the same, but he's having a lot of success. So. The mix just isn't right. You know what I mean? Like, and the two guys you brought in, and Mikheyev's a guy you brought in, but he can't even play that shutdown type of role, really, because they have him playing in an offensive role, which he's actually doing well in and succeeding in. So when, when I keep looking at, you know, how this roster is put together, and I look at those two guys in particular, it's clear that this team would be better off making some trades and clearing up some cap space. But at the same time, it's also pretty evident what types of players they need 
to replace those players for specific roles. And I'm not saying go out and get a bunch of, you know, you know, fourth liners or, or yeah. bad fourth liners, but you need to have guys who can play, you know, 12, it's about 13, 14 minutes a game at even strength, but then can ace it on the PK as well. Yeah. And that's a guy who plays 15, 16 minutes, gives you some bottom line production, but ultimately those are the things they they contribute. Well, it might help to, you know, have a player that you could trust on the PK in one of those spots so that you can take away Miller from having to PK so much. Yeah. Horvat from having to PK so often on this roster. And as far as Garland is concerned, I mean, we've heard the coach talk about him. And Boudreau hasn't passed too many opportunities <laughs> to criticize Garland. All right, all right. I want to get to the clip because we right? didn't talk about it enough yesterday. We wanted to talk about it yesterday, but the it's whole the... Roberto Luongo yeah. thing came up. This was after the Washington game. Bruce was, as we know, pretty upset with how the team played. They lost 5-1, and he was asked directly about where Connor Garland's game is at. Here it is. Well, he's struggling on it. I think he's trying to do too much. He's trying to be too cute. Like, I mean, instead of getting simplifying his game and getting pucks at the net, he's trying to make great plays to, uh, uh, you know, and they're getting intercepted and knocked down, and it's just not working. So I've always been told, and you know, through my history, that if things aren't working for you, you get back to basics and you just start you know, shooting the puck and, uh, and you know, not try to make these fancy plays. So, I mean, but, um, you know, we'll talk about that with him tomorrow. So uh, there is Bruce Boudreau. Mm-hmm. And uh, Garland was uh, kind of rotating in and out with Stadnika yesterday <laughs> at yeah. practice. Um, so we'll see. That could be a developing story as we get uh, to warm-ups tonight. We know Garland has been scratched already once this year. And clearly the coach isn't happy with, with how he's playing right now, no. Sad. No, I mean, it clearly he's not. But at the same time, even at times when he's been um, complimentary of uh, Connor Garland's game, it's always kind of come with a yeah, but. Yeah. He'd be really good if he was six two, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it's kind of always pointing out what he isn't instead of really giving credit for what he is and who he is and and how he contributes to the team. It's very clear also by usage how he views him. It, it, like he's not a Boudreaux type of guy now, because Boudreaux's not going to be here long term. It seems like that doesn't really matter as far as shaping this team because if you want to keep Garland, you can look past it. But do, does the organization want to keep him? Does he even want to stay? I mean, he his game has really plummeted ever since he got the healthy scratch. Yeah, it, it it's not been the not been the bounce back or you know message received response that that a coach would like when he uses that card. I, I've been critical of Garland's game too, and I always joke with you guys off air about Garland. I'm always like just kidding around about like you know I'm like oh this guy's Brendan Lightsick. I, I like to bug you guys because you like Garland a lot just off air. Well, he just, just like spins and throws pucks at the yeah. net, and sometimes on- with uh, a lot of volume, but not a lot of. Um, Let's say uh, there's there's not a lot of threatening value to it. No, a busy player does a lot without accomplishing anything. Yeah. You know, and that was Brendan Leipzig to a T. And I always joke, to get to, I like to like rile you guys up off air when we're just watching a game or whatever. But he's been more that this season it's, ever since it's being like healthy It's like about as uh, extreme of a comparison yes. as you could make. Yes. Because Connor Garland did accomplish a lot He did. Year. He did. At the end of the year, he made over 50 points. Absolutely. You're taking that every single day of the week. From a guy that's being used in the role that he is for being sh- used. For sure. But, you know, and so what I'm building up towards is even though I've been a guy who's criticized him a little bit or whatever, I actually feel like he's been put in a tough spot. Yeah. Because no matter what he's done, last year he's good at even strength. 
still doesn't let him stay in an even strength spot this year. There's not enough trust in his game as compared to what how much trust he has in guys like Horvat, of course, and Miller and Pedersen. He doesn't have the same amount of trust in Garland, despite him being you know tied with Miller in five on five production. He was steady and he was good good for the team last year. And then he, he's the first guy that got healthy scratch this year. Can you blame Garland if he feels like the coach doesn't believe in him? I can't blame him, and I've criticized him, but like I think I, yeah, I feel can... like he's a guy that that looks at it and says, "Why am I the guy getting singled out? Like, does this guy even believe in me or not?" And I, and sometimes when guys get like that, it's gonna ha- their games are gonna suffer. Some guys will fight through that and be like, "Hey, I'll be better." And I, maybe Garland is that guy. So but it's, it's not like a coincidence. A, no matter what then, I do, yeah. my my role is not going to improve on this team. It seems like it. I mean, he's never really featured a ton. He's always on the second power play unit. Yep. You know, and his spot in the top six is always fleeting. He is so far down in the pecking order of getting on to power play one. Last year, how many guys were tried on power play one? And not Connor Garland. No. Okay. Just let's, let's Pearson, Chason, Besser. Like everybody got a chance at the net front role, but Connor Garland. Okay. And when did Garland? Colson for sure. So when did Garland's game start getting better? It was when he played with JT and Bo for a little bit. Remember, yeah. there was a spell like, hey, these guys are looking really good together and everything. Mm-hmm. And I and I was talking on the pregame show. This was, I think, before the Vegas game. And I'm like, as good as Garland's been, and this is the best he's played for a few games here, I think Boudreaux's just itching for the first chance to take him off that line. But and that's the problem that game, with anybody on those lines. It's like, whether it's Hoaglander, Besser, or Garland, it's just like, they're the merry-go-round. It's like, it oh, is. I'm trying to, uh, like, if this guy's going to be hot for a couple games, we'll have him there, and then we'll we'll switch it up, give another guy a chance, and then it's never going to be anything set in stone. No, but I don't know if that's a good thing, but in just in defense of Connor Garland, so when he does play better, as soon as he has a so-so period, half a game, he's taken off that line. Yeah. Besser plays in his spot for a bit, and then Hoaglander's in that spot. Yeah. And since then, he's on the third line. And since then, he's looked really bad. So how does he feel? Probably, right? He's like, okay, so I played well. I got healthy scratched. I start playing better. And as soon as I have one bad period, I'm down to the third line again. You know what I mean? So I, I can see it from his standpoint. And I'm I'm not reporting anything. I'm just wondering, is he a guy that looks at this and says, I'm not sure I ever want to be here? And then from Vancouver's standpoint... It's clear, even from an organizational standpoint, they already have a Kuzmenko type that's usurped him. So has Mikheyev. I think they'd love to move him if they could. The question is, what are you moving a guy for that's being healthy scratched, has been healthy scratched once, has 10 points on the season, three goals, and isn't really getting a prime spot on a team that's struggling this year? So I just wonder, what is the value even if you're trying to make that trade right now? There's there's not a ton of value. And I, there wasn't a ton of value in the summer. Yeah. We talked about it. Was there a first-round pick on the table for Connor Garland last year at the deadline or over the course of the summer? Yeah. No, there wasn't. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who you could very easily make the argument is as good or better, even at their best, than Connor Garland is. Certainly a better defensive player than Connor Garland is. Yeah. And he went for a third and a fifth to the Seattle Kraken. So sort of just tells you, even a quality middle six type of forward that can score a little bit that helps you drive play in the right direction mm-hmm. isn't going to get you a massive return and I don't think that's changing anytime soon especially with the way Connor Garland's playing right now Gerb from Surrey with a good text here 650 650 Dunbar lumber text inbox Garland was the prize possession in that trade wasn't he what a big yikes that trade has been geez the one good thing in that trade has also failed essentially so it, yeah, and Ray- Raymond says would have been nice to have Gunter as well. So yeah, that sentiment that's coming out. Yeah, it, it it definitely feels that way with that trade, and 
Part of the problem is, and one of the biggest things about the previous regime is at times it felt like, yeah, they'd acquire players and they'd acquired good players. But when it came to team building and roster construction, like, was there a ton of thought put into how does this player fit into what we already have and our roster and how we envision getting the most out of that acquisition. And right now with Connor Garland, you are seeing that play out to a T because he's an awkward fit on this roster. He's not going to play power play minutes. They don't have a consistent spot for him in the mm -hmm. top six, even when he's played and produced at a high rate, it's still not been good enough for him to stick in any of those spots. Yeah. And all that stuff's fair. Now in defense of what the previous front office did last off season, and I'm not defending the trade. I'm defending like how 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 the pieces came together, right? Yeah. They made the Jason Dickinson trade in hopes of him being that third liner, that PK ace, the third line centerman. That was the mm -hmm. hope, right? And we all kind of looked at that trade and said, "Hey, he was really good for the Dallas Stars in that role. He played well in, the, in their Cup run when they lost in the finals against Tampa. And he he's a really you know handy player to have. And it just didn't work out in Vancouver. So that, there was a hope that he would do that role. They brought Brandon Sutter back with hopes of him playing that role on the fourth line. And he also didn't play at all last yeah. season, right? Now, again, they put all their eggs in the basket, all, all the eggs in that, that same basket for those two players. Not a lot more depth to cover for that. But I think the hope had been that you bring Garland in, he fits a top six role. These are the guys fitting our you know bottom six roles here. And, and we can have guys like Hoaglander and... Uh, and put Colson perhaps play you know some sheltered minutes on third and fourth line roles or whatever, and we have a few PKers and Connor Garland's going to you know solidify our top six, and it just didn't work. Yeah, well because nothing worked off the start of the season. Then you bring in a new coach who has a different view of the player. Yeah, and he's a complimentary. Even even the I think the staunchest Connor Garland defender would still say he's a complimentary scorer. He drives offense and creating chances and everything like that. His analytics look great, but like he's the type of guy that's probably complimentary alongside somebody else. You right. know what I mean? Like if you put him alongside somebody who's decent, he's going to be a good player. He played with Bo a lot last year, a lot of success. Played with JT a lot last year, a lot of success. Five one five. With those guys, he played well. But you can't expect him to play on a third line by himself with a guy like Sheldon drives and drive offense. This is um, so much of this though. Too is you go out and you get. Mikheyev, you go out and you get um, Andre Kuzmenko, you come into the season with the plan of having Horvat, Miller, and Pedersen all playing center. Yeah. So now you've got these wingers, and they're going to help support your three big centermen. And, well, one centerman has struggles off the top and gets moved back to the wing. And, and now you've got two of these extra wingers that are playing with a guy who's been an AHL journeyman. And all due respect to Sheldon Dries, but... Yeah, it's not going to be a line that Bruce Boudreaux believes in a ton when he's got two high-priced wingers who struggled to start the season playing with a guy who's spent most of his career up and down in the AHL and NHL. Well, and it also comes down to usage too, yeah. right? Like if if you are if you were if you're just putting Besser with Pedersen and saying these guys are going to stick together, or Garland with Pedersen say these guys are going to stick together, there are offensive players. Mikheyev, you'll be on the third line. You'll be our you know do it all type of guy. I think maybe it would look a bit different. Maybe it would be more cohesive. And I'm not saying take Mikheyev away from Pedersen. I actually think those guys work well together. Mm -hmm. But in terms of trying to put together the best winning lineup with what you have, you got to make some sacrifices somewhere. You know, and, and maybe you can't afford to have those guys together if you want the best mix with the way things are going, right? So I think that's something you can also look at and say, is that a fair question to ask? But regardless of all that, 
Mm-hmm. The Canucks are clearly short a couple players that can play defined roles. I mean, we got this text here, Josh from White Rock texting you, Jesse from White Rock. At this point, I move Garland for a depth player and a fourth-round pick. So with that notion in mind, you may not be able to move Carter Garland's entire salary. I think best hope is what we've mentioned. You trade him to a team that takes on, um, gives you an expiring deal. An expiring deal of a depth player or a player making less than Connor Garland? Something along say. those lines. Hypothetically. Uh, and yeah. They're not going to make this trade because they've said they're not going to trade him, but Patrick Hornquist is in town with the Florida Panthers. Right. He's making $5 million and change. His contract expires at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. A guy like that, you would make a one-for-one swap, get the money off your books next year. Hey, I think that's a swap you would do. And I think a team like Toronto, I think, has... has been linked to Garland in the past. He, he's the type of player they have targeted in the past. Great analytics. The type of guy that they feel can fit into a scoring type of role. They have expiring contracts like Alex Kerfoot or something. Like, is there a deal like that to be made? But I wonder with how he's played and with what's going on, is a team looking to get off more money longer term? Do you have to take on a guy who's a third liner making a couple million for a couple of years? Like, if Toronto calls, I'm sure they're looking at it and saying, take, take Yarn Kroc off our hands, making $2 million. And we'll take Garland off your hands. And here, like Jesse mentioned, here's a fourth-round pick for your for your troubles as well or something. Now, there's still $2 million on the books, but you're saving almost $3 million. Hey, I'm, and again, not reporting. Yeah. I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's an imp- I get it. It's, it's I, just imp- I just don't like it because I like Garland as a player. Well, I, like, I see a guy that can actually produce, and I don't you know I don't want to give up on, on the skill of that player because yeah. it, it feels like an awkward fit right now. Find a way to make it work. You know what, what it sounds like? It's like the, the uh, mentality of a hoarder. It's like, I bought all these things that I really like, <laughs> and I paid money for them, and, and I don't want to lose them for nothing. And I get it. You paid money for them, but you have so many surpluses. Yeah. Like, how many of the same things do you want to have? Like, I love these shiny things, but how many of them can you, you know, actually have on? You know what I mean? And I think that's the problem with this roster. All these guys you kind of like, yeah. they don't fit together. Like, who's the guy you're sacrificing? And for everybody saying make a trade, I wonder if your options right now as we speak is something like that, which is kind of like, you know, plug your nose and make a trade. And to your point, that's not super appealing. So, do you, again, this is what we talk about. Like, hey, I, I love to see trades. I hope they make trades. I hope they move some money off the books and completely get rid of it. But as we speak, I think these might be the types of options you're looking at. You may have to wait it out a little bit. And maybe your best bet to get money off the books is the offseason where teams have cap space. Like, again, like you, there aren't many teams. There's no contender right now, really, that can take Connor Garland off your books without giving you something. Even teams with LTIR, they have somebody coming off pretty soon or at some point what they have to take into account for. So you're taking something back one way or another. There was like 30 players in the league that scored more points at 5-on-5 last year than Connor Garland. I'm like, I I don't want to give up on that player. But but who are you giving up on? Are you going to hold on to everybody? Yeah. You know, it's like James and Qualicum Beach says, it's like when you play Scrabble, how long do you hang on to your letters trying to get that big word before you decide to pack it all in and get a fresh set, <laughs> right? I mean, and that's kind of the thing. Like, at some point, you got to let go of something that you like. I, I, not that I'm speaking from experience or anything. It's like you bought a pair of Yeezys not that long ago, and now you have no sure. interest in wearing them. And it's like, and ah, nobody wants to buy them. You know, oh, no, you try to sell them, nobody's trying to buy them. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. 
But I mean, hey, it's, it's, it's a terrible bad time. situation. You know what? It's terrible. It's a, not, not not that I'm speaking from experience. No, 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 no. I mean, it's a, if you're trying to sell stuff right now, it's a bad time. Retail's <laughs> kind of down. You know what I mean? It's, you know, everybody's a bit worried about especially financials. anything attached to Kanye West. Yeah. Jeez. Well, well, especially that. <laughs> uh, Viking stat says we know Bruce isn't coming back next season. Better to wait, and good chance Garland bounces back under a different structured coach. And and that's an eminently fair point. But if you're trying to clear money to do certain things, where are you clearing the money? Yeah. Especially if, you, again, they haven't given up on keeping Bo. If they want to keep Bo, there's certain things they want to get rid of to keep Bo. Yeah. So what? Wh- where is that happening? You, you can't do, you can't just hold on to everybody. Can't keep everybody. And you can't, well, and make it, cha- you can't make additions if you keep everybody. And it's impossible not to look at the way the roster is being deployed right now, how it's being used. And, say that Connor Garland and Brock Besser should be comfortable about their futures in Vancouver. Yeah, I know. And honestly, like to me, you know how we talk about, you know, the take that Mikheyev is a, is a luxury piece. I think Garland is a luxury piece. Yeah. Especially for a team that's not good. Did you need Mikheyev if you already had Garland? But Mikheyev can't do the things Garland does. And Mikheyev helps you. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I'd rather like any team, I'd rather take Mikheyev. Mikheyev can't score as much as Garland. But does. I'd rather have Mikheyev on my team than Connor Garland. Easy. Like yeah. it, to me, it's it's an easy choice because at least Mikheyev, no matter what, is going to give me some value doing something. Even on a third line with nobody, he'll still give you maybe twenty goals, and he'll still be a two way ace. And he brings size and speed. speed. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and the thing is, like he's dynamic. Like we mentioned, there's there's a real like tangible skill set that makes a difference in the game every single time he plays. And Garland does a lot of good things, but he's a real surplus to requirements. I play. Then when it got Kuzmenko and and replaced him like in a heartbeat. Yeah. In a heartbeat. It, it's, it's not easy finding skilled players, so I don't want to say it's easy to find Garland types. But when you have a bunch of them, I don't know how much that helps you. The questions around Garland aren't, like, new either. No. Right? So my wonder is, you know, now that they... Like, the clock is ticking and they're going to have to do something at some point. Yeah. You know, did you miss the boat on getting some value on any of these players? And whether, that's a fair question. Whether it's Garland, whether it's Besser... Uh, Besser was in, the situation with Besser made him incredibly difficult to move over the course of last spring and in the summer until his contract was sorted out. So that that one's tough. And then of course the Miller contract where they decided they were going to keep him. But yeah, Selavi. I know I hear you. I, I love the text. What are you laughing this about? Says, Keep everybody. Why mess with the 26th place team? They've been there for the last 10 years. Don't screw it up. Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Like, I, I get, like, again, like, it's, it's, this reminds me of when I was a kid and I was a Grizzlies fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the Grizzlies had uh, Big Country Reeves and they had Othella Harrington, they had Shreep Abdul Rahim, they had Michael Dickerson, and they had Mike Bibby. And I was like, that's starting five. Man, that's a legit starting five. And that year to start off, to they got off to a decent start. And then, you know, it just caved in. They were terrible. Yeah. And then when you start going through every... <laughs> and then we, but here's, the, here's the exercise, though. You start going through every single team in the league, and you're like, oh, that team has a legitimate starting shooting guard. Legitimate. Every team has a legitimate starter. Yeah. But you don't have enough elite guys, and it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You don't have enough guys that drive, enough guys that make a difference. You have starters, yes, but they're not guys that make enough of a difference for you. And they're nice pieces to have, and it's really easy to fall in love with them because, man, they're shiny. Man, they, they're fun, especially, you know, Connor Garland, who 
not only does he play cute, he looks cute. Little, you know, spins around, you know, gets head jumps back up again. You know what I mean? Like he's a cute little player. He's, in, he's it's endearing. It's really endearing you watching. Just don't him play. Like, you just don't like you just don't like small players. <laughs> I am becoming an old hockey guy. Yeah. I, I will say that. But no, Sat my, just wants heft in the lineup. That's it. <laughs> no, but my point is like nothing but heft. Yeah, bring it. At least bring something. He brought you 50 points last year. <laughs> I know. But I'm saying, like, when push comes to shove, you know, like a certain type of role. Like, but again, like, he's good. Like, he yeah. brings you something. But they have a lot of guys that bring you something. But are they really changing things for you? Still not bringing you enough. And are they bringing a lot of the same thing is, uh, I guess, part of the argument as well. Uh, I feel with uh, this texter. <laughs> Uh, I bought like 10 pairs of Yeezys still in the box. I'm hooped. <laughs> yeah, he's screwed. That's tough. Yeah. Tough investment portfolio you yeah, got no there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, and, and you know, like Mikheyev, like somebody texted in, and, you know, that's why I love Mikheyev. Mikheyev has six goals. Karna Garland has three. Yeah. Garland will bounce back. He'll have a stretch. I yeah, think. I mean, but, but you know that Mikheyev so far has had a 21-goal season? Yeah. Connor Garland has hit 22 as his career high. Mm-hmm. I'm just Not saying, like, dissimilar. I think goal score. I, I think McKayev's actually but, has but, a better Garland's shot. Garland's a way better playmaker than he is. Yes, offensively, better playmaker. But as far as goal scorer goes, I'd actually say McKayev's a better goal scorer, better uh, shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not not hard. No. Garland's shot isn't exactly the threat. It's more of how he's getting his shot away that that makes him a little bit dangerous when he's on. Yeah, and he's not on. Right now, neither is Brock Besser. What do you do uh, with those two players? Keep the text coming in, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Up next, Cheech. John Garrett joins us on Canuck Central.